Hello, welcome to the 22nd episode of the Queen Bee Book Club podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Cher. And we're Queen Bees. And we are fresh off watching Call Me By Your your Name. Name. Like literally three seconds ago, beautiful baby angel Timothy Chalamet was crying into a fire. With a fly crawling all over his shirt. So if we sound more subdued than usual, that's why. It's also 10 p.m. Yes. <laughs> this is the latest we've ever recorded. Yeah. But it's been cozy. We're at Cher's house. We had macaroni and cheese. We cooked together. Yeah. We watched a, a, a beautiful love story. <laughs> yeah. We haven't seen each other in about a week. In a week? Yeah. Yeah. We saw, we saw each other three times in the week I know. before and then zero times last week. It was an embarrassment of riches and then... Yeah. Anyway... Um, so I guess, like, I don't know if we want to start with, like, the comparison between the two. I will say, I think the movie does a good job of kind of standing on its own two feet. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, I think some, some adaptations tend to be so derivative that you're like, I mean, this is basically just for visual people who want to see frame by frame. And then some movies will take um, a book or a play or something and kind of do their own thing with it. Like, I've never seen the play that Moonlight is based on, but it would be because I know that Barry Jenkins, who directed and wrote it, um, based a lot of the, like, mother relationship scenes Mm. on his own mother. I think, like, he took that play and kind of, like, put his own... Spin. spin on it which I think this movie does but I think what you lose unfortunately is the movie felt like almost kind of like staccato because we don't have all of Elio's really beautiful you don't have monologues, yeah which I think is what makes the book so striking it's like so lovely and and feels like this like beautiful melody whereas this was kind of like a little bit more well, and I think in, in the movie, like, the signs that Oliver is interested in him it are much clearer. Right. And, I, and I, I mean, I know we're, in the book, we're hearing it specifically from, I guess, sorry, we've been pronouncing it Elio. It's, it's actually Elio. Elio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Maurizio's Marzia, I guess. I don't, I, I don't even think that's right. I don't think so. <laughs> well, well, okay, so what's confusing to me is it's set in Italy, they're all speaking French and English, and they're American, the mother's Italian, I don't... Yeah, it's a, it's a mix, for sure. Um, someone, I'm, people feel very strongly by, about Call Me By Your Name, so I'm sure we'll get someone in our Instagram comments being like, here's the deal. This is what's going on. Which, I don't really care, but... <laughs> I mean, whatever. Um, I, I think for me, though, I wouldn't, I would have liked this movie better if I hadn't read the book I agree before like I think that it's like I basically was set up for disappointment and I think it's also one of those movies where if you now read the book it'll be like this wonderful supplement you know what I mean like I don't think it spoils it the movie right well there's not much of a plot no I mean and so it's like you just get um you get this like lovely like inside little window into Elio's head which I think is really nice because you do then see like all of the, like all the things that Timothy Chalamet is so brilliantly emoting through the whole movie. You see how that's playing out in his head. 
Yeah, and I mean, let's just, I mean, not waste any time in saying, like, he he is a sweet baby angel. Perfect baby. I he, love him. Like. Through and through. Want to put him in my pocket. Also, he as a person is adorable. He was on this podcast I listened to called Awards Chatter, and he is a precious angel. Like, all the time he was talking about how much he loves, like, Kid Cudi. What? And how he's, like, he'll be inspired by him and all these other people and, like, ugh. He's just a doll. I, did you read that New York Times article that I tweeted about? Mm-hmm. I read part of it. Um, anyway, they were just sort of talking about, like, the Me Too movement and, like, all that stuff. And he was just like, you know, like, it's just, like, as a man in this time, like, it, you just really, you know, need to be aware and, like, an oh. ally. And, yeah. And he was saying, too, that, like, he would love to be in a movie directed by the girl who was in Lady Bird. Oh, like Shersha? Whatever. Yeah, however that, you pronounce <laughs> that. But, like, she was talking about, like, potentially being interested in directing. He would be like, I would be something directed by you in a second. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. and in, so he's in Lady Bird, and in his award chatter interview, he was talking about, like, how inspired he was by Greta Gerwig and, like, how great she was and all this other stuff. Also, he plays an amazing character. In Lady Bird. He is... Is he like a Jess? He's a Jess, kind of. But it's like he's that guy that you loved in high school because you thought he was like so cool and smart. And like he says stuff like, you know, I just like try as much as I can not to participate in the economy. But then he'll also be like, that's tight. Or that's yeah, hella yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he's one of those where all you want is for him to think that you're cool and or you tight. don't. See, like, literally the whole movie I was sitting there like, he's the worst! It's the best! Yeah. Um, speaking of Lady Bird, it didn't win any Oscars last night. I'm pretty bitter about it. You seem like you're about to cry, though. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice is, has a tremor. Um, I thought it deserved... Okay, I feel like this I is, didn't see it. I feel like this is a complicated thing to say because I don't think that the person... So, Jordan Peele won Best Original Screenplay... For Get Out, which I think was well-deserved. Didn't see it. I wanted Lady Bird to win. Okay. Because I think that the screenplay for that is what makes the movie so brilliant, apart from, like, the amazing acting that's in it. Um, but I just, I feel like, the, I mean, apart from Frances McDormand winning for Three Billboards, I just feel like the, um, the awards went towards some very, like, male-centric films. Mm. Whereas Lady Bird is, like, a very unapologetically feminine movie mm-hmm. and is also a comedy and also, like, deals with really... Like, I don't know. It just made me feel so seen when I saw the movie because it's just so... It, like, so perfectly captures what it feels like to be 17 years old as a girl and kind of, like, want more for your life but also feel kind of guilty about that because it means you're kind of like saying what your parents have given you isn't enough mm-hmm. um which is great um and I think it's something that a lot of women think about and it's just so lovely and it makes you feel really good I have to see it I mean I like you know me uh, you're not I, a big movie girl I'm not a big movie girl like, I think you would like Lady Bird I'm, I'm certain that I would like it too but I mean like what are the Oscar movies that I saw like I saw all the Money in the World. Okay. Three Billboards. Mm-hmm. Coco. Okay. And Call Me By Your Name. All right. Today. So that's <laughs> it, right? Yeah. 
I think that's I think, it. I think so. I can't. I don't know your movie history. Exactly. Well, you should. I mean, <laughs> um, I think if you didn't hear me tell you that I saw it, I mm, probably didn't. That's fair. Um, I'm a big fan of the Oscars, though. Um, I know you live tweet them every year. I live tweet them. I love them. I get really excited after the Oscars every year. I really like watching people's dreams come true. Is what's nice about it. It's well, like, I like watching them thank their families. I think that's boring. <laughs> I do. I think it's nice. Sometimes you'll get like a sweet little documentary filmmaker up there who's like from Britain and they're like, I just, you know, so grateful for this opportunity to to shed a light on on domestic violence or something. And you're like, oh my God, precious. And then some people are boring and you're like, I feel like they're all boring. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I, I like, I only like the red carpet. See, the red carpet sometimes will annoy me because I feel like it's real. It can be really inane, but then I mean, I just like seeing the dress. Oh, I do. Like, like, let me let me be clear. I don't like the interviews. Yeah, a good portion of my day, the day after the Oscars or like the Golden Globes, is just scrolling endlessly through pictures. Oh yeah, and they're like two hundred pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm in for this. Yeah. Or like when Man Repeller does it, I'm like, I will click through everyone. Must know. Must have opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I do think Army Hammer seemed too old. Yeah. In yeah. this. Like, I, immediately, that was the first thing I said when we were watching it, is like, nope, he's too old. <laughs> um, because Timothy, Timothy Chalamet looks literally 17. I mean, yeah. he could, like, even be, like, he could be 15. I mean, he looks like he's a, a baby. He's a angel. And Army Hammer looks like he's an adult. A, a 35-year-old dad. He's an adult. Yeah. Well, and it looks like he could, he's, like, more reasonably suited age-wise to his mom. Yeah, who's smoking. Who is smoking. Huh? I want to be her, just, like, standing around, lounging, S- smoking, smoking cigarettes all, all the, the time. time. In Italy, so you know, like, it's not as cancerous in my head. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's married to a Robin Williams knockoff. Yeah. Who's a scholar and they live we in don't, a huge We don't really know of what. Mansion. Yeah. It's amazing. The dream life. And she's got like a sensitive little loving boy. Who just like, like he like she's is sassy and fun, but I he know. also like clearly like does play ball and hangs out with the family. Like that mm-hmm. one scene where the mom is like reading aloud to them, yeah. like all like lounging together on the couch. It's just sweet. Precious. Ugh. Um... Yeah, Elliot. but I don't know. So I guess I guess in terms of like like I thought it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. However, compared to the book, I think the book is a lot better than the movie. Mm-hmm. And not to be that person, because I actually do think some movies are better than the books. Brooklyn being one of them. I never saw or read that book. The movie is delightful. The book ends, and I can't even talk about it. It's it, there's no closure. I mean, I definitely will say I like Game of Thrones, the TV show, better than the books. Yeah, because they edit. <laughs> well, and I think so. I I have been reading my um, Game of Thrones book. I finally I have a hundred and thirty pages left. <laughs> like I think I can finish it. In the third one, that's good. That's a good hundred thirty pages. Like it's exciting. What's happening? Is it? I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like sh- like stuff has gone to shit at this point. Like, yeah. Right now, like I literally today read the chapter where Oberyn gets his face smushed. Yuck. Hated it. Which, like, honestly, 
hated it, hated reading it more than mm-hmm. watching it almost. Yeah, because it, it makes it very, like, visceral. Yeah, you also know it's coming. Mm-hmm. And so it just... See, I feel like I could never will myself into reading the Game of Thrones books if I've already seen what happens. Like, that's how, kind of how I felt about Gone Girl, too. It's like, once oh, you know well, what Gone happens, Girl. it's, like, not as exciting. Well, but I think the argument I would make about Game of Thrones, though, is that I think that the TV show has such limited time mm-hmm. to tell the story that a lot of times, like, details are lost or, like, mm-hmm. motivations for stuff are lost. Like, I really had no understanding about, like, what the families meant and, like, what mm. they stood for and, like, what the interdrama was okay. between... Like, I was much more able to understand that once I read the books. And I also think um, the show does a criminal job of showing Dorne when Dorne is actually very cool. That'll be in book, like, four and five. Oh, but my like, God. I have two more left. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought I only had one more left. Nope. Okay. <laughs> but Dorne is, like, very cool, and it's just, like, full of, like, badass women and smart dudes and it's fun whereas in the in the show it like couldn't be worse yeah i mean i think like thank god uh catelyn is now dead like we already had the red wedding now see and so, i always liked catelyn's chapters are you effing kidding me <laughs> like i would rather read a brand chapter than a catelyn oh chapter god. no never brand just wandering <laughs> around around no one else <laughs> Even in the show, I'm still waiting for him to be more important than he is. Well, he's obviously the Night King. What? Oh, you haven't read those theories? I don't read theories. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> so, basically... He's trying to kill the Night King. Right, but I think it's like a time warp thing. Oh my god. Where, like, if you look at Bran's clothes, they uh-huh. look they're the same as the Night King. I guess. And I think, like, the guy who was maybe, well, I don't, like, the original Night King guy. Mm-hmm. I don't, There, there's some theory about it. You should check it out. But, <laughs> like, basically, like, I think that Bran is going to be able to, like, warg himself into that guy. Mm. Or, like, or I think, no, you know what I, I think? I think it, he, like, did at one point warg himself into him. And so, I don't know. Like, there's some whole thing where, like, it's like a Hodor situation. Right. Where, like, this is basically the whole thing's Bran's fault. <laughs> it's basically what I think. It's like, Bran's important, but he's the problem. <laughs> he's the main... Which he's always been the problem. I know. I'm tired of him. I mean, like, I don't... Like, this This last season, he comes back as a complete sociopath. <laughs> like, it's like, he was a normal, sweet, like, insecure... Like, now Sans has to deal with it. One more thing to put on her plate. Great. You looked so beautiful the night you were raped. Like, gross. Thanks, Please don't Brian. talk to me again. <laughs> like, all right, well, off with his head. Arya, like, <laughs> see what you can do. I mean, the only useful thing he did all season was really give some incriminating ed- evidence against um, Littlefinger. But they didn't even really need it. I mean, well, and now he's revealed <clears throat> the whole thing that, like, Jon Snow is, like, Which, the secret target. thanks, we knew. <laughs> We've known that, this since one of my biggest two. pet peeves is like so that's something that like the Game of Thrones community has been speculating about for like probably decades at this point 
And so when it was revealed, they acted like it was this huge bomb they dropped. I'm like, no, literally everyone suspected that that was true. Well, and also it's like if maybe if Sam would have just listened to Gilly when she was reading aloud, maybe we would have never had to need Bran at all. Right. Gilly has a lot to offer Sam. (laughs) She can read now. She can read now. She's a great mom. Yes. To that adorable child. She is very cute. Um... But yeah, anyway, so I, like, I only have 130 pages. Like, I think I might make it pretty soon here. Like, I, I'm pretty sure our Instagram is going to be thrilled to not see that book cover again. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you need to, like, you need to focus. Like, if I was reading that book every day on the Metro, like, I could probably finish it in a month and a half. Yeah. However, if you're not, it sits and gathers dust Mm -hmm. and whatever. I could never read any one of those books fast. First of all, the print is tiny. The print is tiny. So many pages. And they're so thin. <laughs> Very thin. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think also, like, the book is, is um, it's raunchier than the show. Yeah. And it's like, you think the show's raunchy. It's like, well, guess what? George R. Mar- George R. Martin is more messed up than he did <laughs> Benioff or whatever his name is. I have a theory about the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones and, like, how gratuitous sometimes the sex could be. Is it to get the boyfriends interested? No. Well, I think the men were always interested in Game of Thrones. But I think that it's just, like, a HBO thing where, like, mm. in the... Because I feel like the first two or, like, first season of every HBO show is, like, a lot raunchier than... And I... Because I think it's, like, well, we can, or I wonder even if HBO says, like, hey, it's HBO, like, we've got to keep our street cred, show some boobs. And then after that, they're, like, all right, we'll only do it when it's relevant to the story. Because I feel like there hasn't been any of those, like, crazy sex scenes in Game of Thrones in a while, and, you know, thank you. Like, they've been a lot more tasteful. No, I mean, the last... from the rapes. Wait, yeah. Which I mean, bummers. But, but also were, I mean, pertinent to the plot line. Yeah. And were horrible, but, you know. But um, the last one we saw was the Daenerys Jon Snow Which, booty yuck. scene. Hated it. <laughs> Which was yuck because it was... Bran was narrating over it the whole time. <laughs> About how they were related. <laughs> And then Tyrion was, like, weirdly looking at their door. Well, everyone's, like, theorizing that Tyrion's in love with Daenerys. No, And I'm like, not. he's not interested. Tyrion and Sansa forever. I know. I won't hear it. So I, I 100% buy into, like, that's how, like, that's going to be the end is, like, they are going to rule the Iron Throne which, together. Perfect. Which, great Everything team. I've ever wanted. I don't, I don't care about Daenerys. I don't care about Jon Snow. Nope. I really nope. don't, honestly. I don't like Daenerys. I think she's very entitled. And I like it when she fails because of her entitlement. <laughs> like, thank you. Like, when, she, when Marine was doing poorly, I'm like, yeah, because you went in there like a white savior and didn't pay attention to their culture, and you took away slavery, which, good, but also you gave them no economy to replace it. You were just like, figure it out. No <laughs> well, wonder they and, hated you. And like, no, also, like, you're just a 13-year-old girl who's showing up. <laughs> I think you're 13 and you're an idiot. <laughs> I mean, in the book, she's 13. In the in the show, she's, like, you know, 22 or whatever. I can't wait but. for Sansa to just, like, look at her with condescension. Be or like, just confusion. Why don't you try having some real problems? 
Because I guarantee Daenerys is going to be like, we're not so different, you and I. And she's going to be like, please. She'll be like, you liked your husband that you got Eventually. sold to. Eventually. <laughs> you are still into him. Yeah. I mean, Daenerys has lived a very charmed life. Yeah. I mean, apart from, like, her childhood. Well, whatever. <laughs> but, but I mean, compared to Sansa. Yeah, Sansa's life is trash. <laughs> Sansa's like, but you know what? Things are looking up Sansa. She's my favorite. I feel so validated that people like Sansa now. I've always liked her. I've always been on her side. I mean, definitely season one (laughs) is a rough time. Well, I also think so. She's also 12. Right. Okay. So first of all, she's unfairly judged for that. I know we've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't care. (laughs) It's important. People might be 10 p.m. I'll talk about what I want. Um, It's 10.30. Like, come on. (laughs) Um... She also, I think the reason I always liked her was in the books, I always felt like she was always involved. Her chapters always had the stuff that I was interested in, which was like people doing stuff at court and being sneaky. Yes. Well, my favorite chapters are probably the Tyrion chapters for that same reason. Well, Tyrion's about to get boring. What? Yeah. Well, because that whole part where he's like drinking Uh, a lot and then... Well, so right now he's, like, being sentenced to death. Yeah, so okay. that's how, all interesting. How does he get out of that again? Um, Jamie lets him go. Oh, that's and right. And then he goes up and kills his dad. And then I, yes, 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 yes. Yep, okay, now I remember. Um, Sorry for the spoilers, but honestly, it's been out for years. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> sorry, I'm not sorry at all. Also, though, like, if you haven't seen it, like, these names mean nothing to you, and they will not register, so don't worry about it. But, um... I I also like I think book two was my favorite. Mm. Book three is definitely my favorite. I like book four a lot. What did I like about book two? I'm trying to think. <laughs> See, I thought book two was pretty boring. That's when I started skipping Daenerys's chapters. Oh uh, well, her chapters are real boring because she's wandering in the desert. No, well, yeah, will not. I won't deal with that and then deal with Bran wandering. Oh, you know what? You know what it is? It's Book two is when Tyrion is, um, like, basically ruling King's oh, Landing. Oh, I do like and that And that's what I like. So, like, and I like him, like, pitting all of, like, the different people against each other. Like, I, I'm en- I enjoy that. Good stuff. I agree. I do like when Tyrion and Sansa are married in this <laughs> Same. Book. All I want for this next season, and if it doesn't happen, I will literally scream, is for them to have a nice conversation. Yeah. And no, settle no, for just that. I would like for them to be ruling the world. Right. Not even in a romantic way. They can just be friends. Right. Wait, is this next season that's coming out, ne- like, next year or whenever the 2019. Month? That's a lot. Like, that's it, right? Yeah. There'll be no more. There are only, like, seven episodes, too, right? I heard they're going to be, like, 90 minutes each, though. Well, they better be. <laughs> They've got a lot to tell us. I mean, they better be. I mean, <laughs> this year on my honeymoon, Game of Thrones premiered, and, like, yeah. we, we watched it. Like, yeah. we... Frankly, the first two episodes of last season were pretty boring. Or they just... The first two or the... Wait, what? The first two. I don't remember, like, being that interested. Well, in the first one, Arya, like, kills Walder Frey. That was fun. No, that's at the end of season... The last season. Oh. What happened in the first episode? Who knows? I think she was, like, walking around. That's when she runs into Ed Sheeran. 
And everyone got very upset. Oh, yeah, that was boring. Ed Sheeran had to delete his Twitter because people were being so mean. I don't know. Ed Sheeran, like, I just, I don't get the hype. I know, sorry, Mary-Kate. Mary-Kate's a big Ed Sheeran fan. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I like him. Why? I mean, I think, I don't know. The songs are nice. They're, like, mediocre at best. I don't I like he sounds he the same did take as everyone. a picture um Tom Hiddleston posted a picture from his concert of the two of them and I was like that's the meanest thing you've ever done in your whole life <laughs> Ed Sheeran looked like a gremlin leprechaun next to the Adonis that is Tom Hiddleston so um Karen Kilgariff tweeted oh shoot like when she was watching the Oscars she's like I thought Sue <laughs> John Stevens and Ed Sheeran were the same <laughs> I did see that stuff yeah now that we're back on the oscars um, we can transition yeah we back can go back to, to this book now that, now that we have a lengthy game of thrones <laughs> corner um so i guess like we can we, i'm just gonna give a plot synopsis of what happened in the second half of the book okay so where we left off in the podcast last week they were meeting at midnight yes and we did not know what was gonna happen yes so they have sex is what happens yeah um and immediately after they have sex, Timothy feels, like, terrible regret. Elio. That, yeah. As played by Timothy. As played Elio. Keep up. <laughs> you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's 1030. It's really good you didn't bring wine. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be, like, screaming and belligerent. <laughs> You'd just be yelling about Ohio State, and, like, I'd be, like, moody. <laughs> um yeah, so um, he feels a lot of regret and, like, angst. Which I actually thought was, I really liked that. Like, it made me very sad, and I wrote somewhere in my book, like, okay, now I want to put Oliver in my pocket because yeah. I feel so bad for him. But I think it's a very real thing, and it reminded me, funnily enough, of the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Yes! When Bridget has sex with that um, soccer player guy yeah. and feels really, like, like she it was she thought it was something that she wanted and she and then like after it happens she feels horrible right well and i think and this is a little different but it reminded me of that well and i think with this too like it's not even like it's not the fact that he's had sex but i think it's like it's more that he has now like gone so far into like trying on this identity that mm-hmm. he can't go back yeah. And that is, like, I think terrifying to him. Well, and I also think that the, like, excitement of lusting and wondering about what it would feel like to be with Oliver is now gone. Right. And now he knows that it it was, you know, nice, but maybe not as great as he would have hoped. Well, I don't think it's even that, but I think, I think he just... I think it's, like, more about him and, like, his internal struggle. Yeah. Because, because honestly, it seems like from – well, okay, I'll just finish with the summary. Mm-hmm. So then they, like, kind of, like, you know, eventually Elio comes back to him and yeah. they, um, they go to Rome together and, like, have a fabulous time mm-hmm. and it's great. And then Oliver leaves – yeah. And then he has this very sweet conversation with his dad where his dad basically is like, look, like, I know what's going on between you guys. Like, mm-hmm. I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to know, like, these, like, feelings of, like, loss and sadness, like, don't 
not feel them because it's easier because like this was something real and it's like a very like that was my favorite part of the book me too was that conversation that he had with his dad so then um oliver comes for christmas but it's like never really the same because like he basically reveals to elio that he's engaged which okay which out of nowhere fuck you oliver yeah no longer putting you in my pocket to keep you safe yeah you're coming out of the pocket um elio's back in Elio's obviously crushed. Um, And then there's, like, an epilogue where they meet up later. Yeah, I don't like epilogues really ever. But (laughs) they they meet up and basically, like, have this conversation about, you know, their love and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's that's basically what you missed. Um, I would like to say that I read all of the sexual scenes in public Mm -hmm. once on an airplane. Ooh. Next to a guy who was like doing that thing where he like tries to get phlegm out of his throat, ew, which is ew, ew, ew. my least favorite sound in the world. And I was like, "Bro, we're on a plane, and I'm I'm trying to read about a lovely gay encounter that Elio doesn't know how to feel about, and I yeah. need to be there for him." Well, I mean, I think the thing that's kind of interesting about Elio is that. And, and, like, this is really the difference, I guess, between Elio and Oliver is that, like, Elio does have a family who seems to be pretty supportive. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think if, if Elio came out to his family as gay, like, I don't think that they would disown him. Whereas yeah. Oliver, like, that clearly is the experience he has had. Yeah. Whereas if, if he, like, revealed to his family that that's who he was, like, he really couldn't be a part of it anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think also, so then with Elio's case, too, it becomes about his confusion that he is attracted to Marzia because while like even after um he and Oliver have sex he like steals hours away with Marzia again and mm-hmm. I mean in the movie she gets some nice closure in the book she gets none she just kind of disappears once they go yeah. to Rome it's like see you later <laughs> um but it's like him being confused that he's kind of attracted to both sexes well, and I think also he wants to be attracted to her more. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's, like, when he, like, goes to sleep with her after he slept with Oliver, he's, like, thank God, like, mm-hmm. I still, like, can be in this because this is safer and, like, this is what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, there's a point in the beginning of the book where he talks about, like, someday I'll bring, like, my wife and children to this spot where I, like, confess my love to Oliver. And I was, I was like, like, your what? wife? Right. <laughs> Which, like, yeah. Which is fine, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if, if Elio is, like, genuinely, like, if he really is bisexual, which it seems which like I think he, he, he really he might, might be. be. Yeah. Whereas I think Oliver might be gay and too ashamed to live as a gay man. I mean, but I could but it's be also, very wrong I mean, it's wrong also, like, it's too. on a spectrum, too. I mean, right. it's, like, I think that, like... Like, let's say Elio's in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like, Oliver might be, like, more on the gay side than mm-hmm. the straight side, but... But I also... I don't think that he doesn't love his wife and children at the end. Oliver. No, yeah. I don't think so either. Even though I never wanted to hear about them. No, I had no interest at only, all. <laughs> only because I didn't like the epilogue at the end of the book, and I'm glad that they didn't do it in the movie, because I feel like this book is about the beauty and pain of first love Mm -hmm. and how universal and wonderful that is and like 
how like just I don't know like it's about that specifically and so it should have ended after he finds out that Oliver is engaged and so then it's like that's when it like even the illusion that they could kind of continue their like flirtation if he ever came back or something is crushed like I didn't ever want to hear about them when they were older I'm like no they need to be young and beautiful and in pretty Italy all the time yeah that's what this book is well, and I think that um, <clears throat> there, like, the one thing I did, like, about the epilogue was just sort of bringing up this idea of, like, parallel lives. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Oliver basically sort of says, like, you know, in a parallel life, like, we're together and we're happy. Mm-hmm. But, like... Which I feel like is a shitty thing to say to someone whose heart you've broken. Like, you know, in another universe, we are together. Like, well, but I, But the thing that's, I mean, I, like... At the end of the day, I feel more sorry for Oliver because I think Oliver can't be honest with himself, mm-hmm. really. Like, I think Oliver can't choose what he really wants, mm-hmm. whereas I think Elio has more freedom and more understanding about himself at mm-hmm. the end of the book. And like, And I think Elio and his future, I think, is just going to be more okay with who he is, whereas I think Oliver is always going to be self-loathing. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And it is sad. But, um... But I think... But I think one of them... I can't remember which at this point. I mean, at this point, I read this two weeks ago, so... Yeah. But, um... One says, like, oh, they're, like, parallel lives. Like, all these Mm -hmm. choices could lead you to a different life. And, like, there are other lives going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then one of them says no like it's actually like you're basically in a coma you're like you're not living a real life you basically have turned yourself off and are just like existing yeah and like sort of i mean i i mean i don't know which is which and maybe it's just like a different way of like thinking about it mm-hmm. one thing that i underlined during um their first sexual encounter was i thought it was interesting how elio kept comparing himself to Marzia and like what like a woman's experience would be like because he has no like framework for like what a gay relationship should look like so he's Mm -hmm. like kind of trying to push it into like he he's like trying to put himself into that role and he's enjoying it like playing this other part um it says I'd worried about how I'd go about undressing how if he wasn't gonna help I'd do it I do what so many other girls did in the movies, take off my shirt, drop my pants, and just stand there stark naked, arms hanging down, meaning this is who I am, this is how I'm made, here, take me, I'm yours. Which I liked that because it's also like, it's showing that Elio sees women as powerful and having like agency in sex too, but it's still like he's, he's only working in a framework of like heterosexual love. He is, but he also treats her like trash. He does. So, I mean... <laughs> There's a note where it's like, I stole a few hours with Marzia, and I literally wrote, still? This poor girl. I know. I mean... We also, I think, find out, too, that, like, Elio, I think, because of his own sexuality believes that like Oliver like mm-hmm. is also like just having sex with women all over the place yeah. and and like Oliver's like no like I've just basically been hanging Sitting out with Vimini 
Yeah. yeah, like, I've been hanging out with Vimini and, like, gambling occasionally. I loved that reveal, where he was like, I know what you thought I was doing. I was sitting on a rock like a good boy. <laughs> yeah. Which, I I will say another thing I didn't like about the movie is that they cut out Vimini. I love Vimini. Me too. Justice for Vimini. Yeah. I to say. Well, and I think also, like, with, with Vimini's, like, death... And I don't know, like, it just, like, adds, like, an, a further layer of, like, emotion to that relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and it also, well, I think the book needs Vimini, in fairness to the movie, in more than the movie does. Because otherwise, I think in the book, we wouldn't understand the appeal of Oliver at all. Because I think Oliver... In the book or in the movie? In the book. Because we're so in Elio's head... That, like, all we see is Oliver through his eyes. And, like, he's kind of so afraid to engage with him at first. And at first he thinks, like, oh, he hates me. He hates me. He hates me. So until he started becoming, like, BFFs with Vimini, I was like, I really don't get what's so great about this guy other than that he's smoking hot. Whereas in the movie, since, like, you're not, like, everything isn't filtered through Elio for us you can kind of see the appeal of him a little bit more. Well, and in the movie, like, you kind of have a shift in perspective. Like, the first part of the movie is, like, certainly from Elio's perspective, but after they have sex, all of a sudden it's focusing on Oliver and, like, Mm -hmm. Oliver's... It's zooming in on him and his gazing and whatever. Yeah. Like, so, in the book, like, it's certainly the whole thing is from Elio's perspective. Yeah. Also, back to Marzia for a second. Is that not cheating on Oliver? Or do you think, like, would Oliver not care? I mean, I think that he doesn't consider it really cheating. Because it's, like... Because it's, it's different. Lady. Yeah. I don't like it. Well, and I think also Elio in in the book, like, really doesn't isn't jealous of the idea of Oliver with other women. Like, I think yeah. what would be devastating is if Oliver was with another man. Yeah. I mean, he calls him a traitor at one point, but I think that's just because he's like, you won't be with me but you'll be with women, but you want to be with me. Yeah. But yeah, it says, it never occurred to me to hide from Oliver what I was doing with Marzia. And I was like, really? I don't know. Also, like, his family, though, is, like, very laissez-faire about sex. Like, they're like, whatever. Yeah. This part, I've written a heart. And cool. Oh, we didn't talk about the peach part. Hmm. There's that a, I also read in public in a restaurant. So, yeah, there's the famous <coughs> scene in this book is um, Elio masturbates with a peach, and it's like it is graphic, <laughs> and it is sticky, <laughs> and and then Oliver comes in and eats the peach. So we have that. Yes. He didn't really eat it in the movie. No. In the book, it's like he eats the whole peach. Yeah. Yep. The whole thing. Yeah. At the Spirit Awards, um, John Mulaney and Nick Kroll hosted. And they were like, hey, uh, we just got to ask the censors really quick. Um, what's the verdict done? Can we say cum peach? <laughs> Is that chill? <laughs> and then John Mulaney was like, you know, uh, Tim- Timothy Chalamet, the thing about him is that uh, my wife has a crush on him and uh, it hurts my feelings. 
They also, um, not to get too off topic, but they say about Frances McDormand, like about how cool she is. She and John is Mulaney real cool. says, I bet a fun way to commit suicide would to be cut would be to cut in front of her in line and then say, Hey lady, just <laughs> relax. Oh, Which God. apparently somebody stole her Oscar at one of the after parties. They've been arrested and it's been returned to her. But, like, why? Are you trying to die? Yeah, no, you don't want to F with her. I mean, she already has an Oscar, but, I mean, she seems attached to this one. I also just think, like, she could beat the hell out of you. Oh, my God, she totally could. Yeah. She with just... words and with her body. Yeah. And, like, what is she, 65? Like, I mean, she's, like... She could end you. She could. So what do we think about when they go to Rome? I thought it was kind of boring. I didn't like that part either. Um, Yeah, I mean... uh, For me, like, I sort of was like, can we have more, like, intimate moments? Yeah. Like, just the two of you guys? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't really like this whole thing, like, you hanging out in a group. Yeah. In a group setting. Well, and, and I think what that highlights, too, is that... Unlike heterosexual couples, they can't really be open about their relationship. And that's what's sad, even in the movie, I think that's highlighted. Where when they're saying goodbye to each other, it's like they don't feel like they can, like, kiss goodbye or anything like that. No, they just hug for a really, really long time. They don't get a proper goodbye. Not at the train station, anyway. Ugh. When Elio, like, debates about his future and whether or not it's, like, really worth it to go to college. And I literally wrote, I roll, go to college. (laughs) God. He was like, maybe I'll be a citizen of the world. No, Elio. No, No. you need money, Elio. Like, no. Your skills are transcribing music. Yeah. I mean, like, you can tell that Elio is definitely a genius. Yeah. So... Like, he probably has been bored in school for his whole life. Yeah, he's also unbelievably privileged. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I'm just going to be a citizen of the world and travel. It's like, Elliot, okay, like, your you, family's need, money? you need money. Like, I mean, he definitely is still buying people books on his dad's time. <laughs> so, I mean, he doesn't he clearly doesn't have any summer job money. Mm-hmm. He does go to college, though. Yeah. I think he almost becomes a scholar or something. Who knows? Who cares? I don't know why I wrote what happened in all caps in the margins on this page. Maybe when he got engaged. Can you think of somebody else who you would rather play it all over? Oh, I don't know. Well, so when what's tricky is it took them a while to get the the funding together for the movie because the age difference between real life Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer is seven years, or about seven years, which is the age difference between Elio and um, Oliver. Oliver, and so I think. Army and Timothy must have been attached to the movie like four or five years ago. And so they probably just didn't want to say, like, sorry, so what? Army, when, you've matured. When Timothy Chalamet was 12, he was attached to this movie? Like, what? No, because he's like 24 now. So maybe when he was like about 20. Okay. Um, I mean, he just looks like a teeny, skinny, mini, I know, like, I baby. Love him so much. 
So, like, I just can't imagine what he looked like then. Yeah. But, yeah, so they probably didn't want to cut Army Hammer out of the movie, especially because they'd cast it, like, because the two of them were, like, maybe compatible, but he does look older. (coughs) I don't know. Maybe. I also just don't, like, that's not Liam Hemsworth. Mm. He could have done it. Yeah, no, I could see that. I was thinking uh, Zac Efron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fine. I just think, like, I I didn't... This is... It's definitely not how I pictured Oliver. In in my head, Oliver looked, like, more like a less mousy-haired Harry Styles. Oh. Like, he had, like, curly, kind of, like longish like relaxed like angel hair okay and um well I never got a chance to have my own image of Oliver because I knew the actors so the entire time I was reading Elio I was reading him as Timothy Chalamet and vice versa and I think Timothy Chalamet is like that's what I picture yeah I mean I think that's pretty accurate for little moody baby yeah moody baby but um I don't know. I just wanted somebody younger, I think. Yeah. And and I just well, and I, I just think it like... would have it would have brought more people to the movie like um when it, the Hollywood Reporter every year does this thing that I fucking love, which is brutally honest Oscar ballots. I love it. And they're always the crankiest fucking people. This guy wrote on his ballot this year, Gary Oldman was so good in this movie. I don't even care that he apparently hit his wife with a phone once, which is apparently true. Um, and horrible. What? Like a, like a, uh, yeah. a telephone? Mm-hmm. Like a cell phone or I'm a not sure. I think home like phone? With a home phone. Um. Car phone? But one of the things he said about Call Me By Your Name was he was like, Army Hammer looked like a man and this guy looked like a boy and it felt wrong. I mean, it And I would have said the same thing if it was a guy and a girl or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think also, like, Timothy Chalamet, like, he doesn't look like Zac Efron even looked in High School Musical. No. You know, like, like, he doesn't look like a, like a, anybody's hit really puberty. Right. Like, he looks like a genuine 17-year-old. Like, it's not even like... But, like, on the late bloomer side of 17-year-olds, too. Like, yeah. it's not like he... Well, I mean, have you seen what 17-year-olds really look like? They I was look, 17 once. I know, but they look like... I feel like I forget how young they look because I'm always watching teen shows where they're actually played by 25-year-olds. I mean, it, that's definitely true. I mean, I think, though, that there like are always like a handful mm-hmm. that, like, you know, grow facial hair when they're 15 mm-hmm. and, like, maybe are a little bit bulkier. Yeah. You know, like, he's certainly not one of those 17-year-olds. Yeah. Like, Cole Sprouse currently oh. plays um Jughead Jones on Riverdale and he's our age and they're supposed to be sophomores in high school yeah but I mean he could pull that off he does pull it off and I'm not criticizing it I love him in the show but I think it's definitely a move that people make but I think it's unfortunate that it's it's kind of distanced some people from the movie because it is a really lovely story and it's beautifully made and Sufjan Stevens has some nice songs in it. <laughs> I mean I was I like 
I like Steve John Stevens and like I I've listened to them through high school and you know when I was 16 and moody or whatever like this it sounded like background noise like mm-hmm. I every single one sounded the exact same like, well I mean I think for a movie though that's not right bad. but like give me like an Elliot Smith soundtrack for um goodwill hunting okay. you know like I love that <laughs> or like I don't know moon song. Give me Moon Song. Give me the Graduate soundtrack with all Simon and Garfunkel songs. Perfect choice. Yeah. Give me Bruce Springsteen's Streets of Philadelphia. That is a great song. It is a great song. Um, but I mean, I like it, it fit the movie. But I guess I just like I don't think that they should have won awards or whatever. I mean, they didn't. So good. No harm, no foul. Coco won. Good. Which, frankly, good. Coco, my Which, favorite movie okay. this year. So the couple, it's a um, husband and wife team that wrote all the songs for Coco. Oh. And they're like this little, like, they're like the something Lopez's. And the husband is a double EGOT. Oh, no Which way. Which means he's won multiple, well, because they wrote Let It Go and all the songs oh. for Frozen. And they won for that. And then he's also apparently won... Two, at least two Tonys, two Grammys, now two Oscars, and two Emmys, I guess, for God knows what. I mean... Hard to do. Hard to do. Which, I mean, basically, if you want to EGOT, like, you have to be a singer or a musician. Right. Or, like, put out an excellent audiobook to win your Grammy. Yeah, I mean, you got to be, like, Jim Dale level. Yeah. I think Meryl just has to win. She has to win a Grammy, and she'd be an EGOT. Which, like, get on your memoir, Meryl, and then maybe you can win one. Yeah. Um, what'd you give this on Goodreads? A five. Okay, me too. I mean, it was so lovely. It was so good. I was sad when I finished it. Me too. Except for I was mad how it ended. But, I mean, I would read this again. Like, this is a, like, I would say this is an excellent vacation book. Yes. I think, yeah, and it's very rereadable because you'll probably find, like, new nuggets. And I think it's just as enjoyable knowing what happens, too, because you can, like, look at, I think, on the second read, you would be studying Oliver's behavior a little bit more. Yeah. And being like, oh, Elio, you little idiot. He loves you. Right. Which still is, like, maybe a little inappropriate. He's like a grad student staying at their house. I guess the only reason I question it is because it's like whenever the situation is reversed, I always think like, what does a 24-year-old guy want with a 17-year-old girl? We almost made it through a whole episode of <laughs> somebody Brendan texting. Tang, I love you. <laughs> God. Ugh. I love you too, Brendan. Um... <laughs> What were we just talking about? 24-year-old guys dating 17-year-old oh, yeah. girls. Well, I mean, the thing is, too, like, he's right on the cusp. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have, like, Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner, and, like, to me, that, I'm, like, skeptical. I'm nervous about that marriage. She's too young. She's only 22. She's too young. She's too young. I don't want her to get divorced and regret her life. 
I also just don't take him very seriously. Me neither. He's in that weird band that sings Cake by the Ocean. Yeah, which my mom, like, loves that song. And then she, <laughs> she figured out what it meant. She's like, shoot. It's like what happened with Blurred Lines, too. Oh, no. I know. I'm like, Mom. Like, she put that as, like, a please play at my wedding. And I'm like, no, Mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> I put that on the do not playlist. I always think my mom's going to like Bruno Mars songs, and she never does, because she finds, like, one line to be offended by. Like, I forgot what... What about, like, I'll catch a grenade for you? (laughs) No, like, I thought she'd really like Uptown Funk, Uh, but she doesn't like when it says, like, something about your ugly friends. Oh, all the pretty girl, it's something, and your ugly-ass friends. And she's like, see, that's just mean. And it's, like, one (laughs) little, like, second of the song. (laughs) My mom was also a big Megan Trainer fan, Yikes. which my sisters, my sisters are like, mom, no. I didn't mind her at first, but then um, I, I heard all about that bass so many times that if I oh, ever hear it again. I like that song, no. Oh, I do. I like to work out to that song. Yeah. My name is no. No. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Also, it does remind me of dancing in Ocean City. Yes, I was just going to say that. Yes, it does, it does remind me of that, too. At Secrets, where I, I told you that I watched a Forensic Files that there was a couple murdered there. So, Full circle. Dreams Full circle. come true. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our discussion on Call Me By Your Name. I know. I don't want it to be over, but... Next, we're doing another Harry Potter extravaganza. I feel like we talked, like, ten times quieter than normal this episode, and people are going to be like, what? Like, hello? (laughs) Huh? Well, so what's troubling sometimes about our podcast is that, like, I'll have to turn it up a little bit, and then I laugh really loud, and I'm like, damn it! (laughs) So I'm really sorry to all of our listeners who that probably happens to. You know what? We're not... It's probably like hanging out with me in person. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have your headphone, like, turned up to a (laughs) hundred. But... Um, yeah, we're doing a Harry Potter extravaganza, books four through six. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. I'm very excited. Me too. I've got to kind of brush up on four and five. You See, I'm, I I'm really solid on four. Like, that's it at this point. I should have been... Well, I guess I'll just look through my Twitter. Yeah. Because I was tweeting about it. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> we don't have to talk about the logistics <laughs> we'll on there. do it again. <laughs> Um, anyway. All right. Well, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye. Bye.